I'm uh, Glenn Madden, the pastor's son. I usually lead worship or um, play the drums, and I love doing that, but every now and then I get to do this, and, and I'm really excited to do this too. So I'll pray, and then, uh, then we'll get going. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, God, that we get to gather together. Thank you that we get to have fellowship with one another. Father, that we don't have to do this life alone, that we have you and we have each other. I thank you for that. I pray that you would fill this place right now, Father, and fill each person with your Holy Spirit, that they may hear what they have to hear, God, and that um, regardless of what I say, I pray, Father, that you would speak truth to them and speak through me and just be glorified, Jesus, above all else. Jesus, would you be glorified? Thank you so much for this day. Yeah, just be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you guys want to, you can open up to Psalm 23. We'll get there eventually. Um, basically, my dad wanted, to, wanted the speakers this summer to speak from their journal, like what, they're, what they've been growing in, what they've been learning about, um, stuff that's been interesting them. And so as I, was, um, as I was thinking about what to prepare, I was praying like, Lord, what should I do? I have some ideas like in Matthew or Luke that would be cool. Like I could exegete really hard out of one of Jesus' parables. Like what should I do? I'm really excited about that. Um, and I didn't really hear anything. So I was like, okay, well, I just started reading a book called Irresistible Faith by Scott Sauls. It's a great book. It's about um, just being Christians that non-Christians are drawn to. And so I was reading that and it was awesome. I didn't think it was related in any way to my sermon or what I was going to speak on or anything like that, but I started reading that, and in that book, there was a story from C.H. Spurgeon, who's a famous pastor that I've never seen before, but it just, like, it hit me so hard. The story is just very short. Uh, it says this, I have heard of some good old woman in a cottage who had nothing but a piece of bread and a little cup of water. Lifting up her hands, she said as a blessing, all this, and Jesus too, and Christ too, this hit me so hard. I felt so convicted after this because I started asking myself, like, am I, am I that satisfied in Jesus that I can say, even if I only have a cup of water and a bit of bread, I can say, this is more than enough. I get this as well as Jesus. Like, don't need anything else but Jesus. And I was asking myself this, like, do I feel that way about, about Christ? And I just kept coming up with, like, no, not really. I don't, like, I don't remember the last time that I just sat down and went, Jesus, you're everything to me. You're completely satisfying. You are just everything. I don't remember the last time I did that. And that really hit me. And I was like, man, I'm a Christian. How is Jesus Christ anything less than everything for me? It didn't, it didn't, just, it didn't make sense. And like, if I call myself a Christian, Jesus Christ in Christian needs to be the most important thing for me. And he, he, he is, but he wasn't at that time, if that makes sense. And so after that, I was just like thinking and praying, like still not thinking that's anything to do with my sermon, but just went for a walk and, and started praying like, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? Do you want me to do something in Matthew? Do something in Luke? Do you want me to um, just do something about like just one of the Psalms or anything like that? And I really felt him say, Psalm 23. Like that was it, Psalm 23. So I was like, okay, I'll go through it, and I'm not sure if there'll be anything in there, but it's not Matthew or Luke, but I'll have a look, and, and so I just started going through it, and, um, 
And something really hit me in verse 5. And we'll read through the whole verse, but verse 5 really, um, really struck me. All right, so Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My cup overflows. I read that and I was like, what does that mean? Like, you know what I have with oil? My cup overflows. I don't understand it. And so really quickly, I just Googled on my phone, like, Psalm 23, 5, commentary. And the first result on Google, just clicked it. Hopefully it would be the best thing. I clicked it. And in this first result, and I had never seen, again, I would never seen that story of the all this and Jesus to story before. But the first Google result for this commentary said this. My cup overflows. He had not only enough, a cup full, but more than enough, a cup which overflowed. What all this in Christ too, said a poor woman in a cottage as she broke a piece of bread and filled a glass with water. I'd never seen this before, and now I'm seeing it twice in one week. Like, the Lord was just going, Luke, you probably need to work on this, man. Like, it's, probably, it's not, like, it wasn't, it was just everything I needed to see. It was very obvious. Like, the fact that I read that book and the fact that I felt Psalm 23 is what I should speak on and start to go through that and I read the story and then I looked at a Google commentary and then the story came up again it was just all it was too perfect for it to be anything other than what Jesus was showing me what he wanted me to say and so I I was left with these questions of am I satisfied in Jesus am I satisfied in Jesus alone does he make my cup overflow if I had nothing else am I satisfied in Jesus and those are the questions I kept asking myself and and then it made me reflect on okay well how how and why does Jesus satisfy me like what is in Jesus what has Jesus done that makes me satisfied that fills my heart that makes my cup overflow and it's in the gospel and this is what the whole Bible is about there's the good news A loving Father created us, you and me, for Himself. We were made by Him and made for Him. In Psalm 139, 13 to 14, it says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the good news. We have been made by a loving Father, created by Him, for Him. That's the key. We're created for him. So we can't find satisfaction in anything else but him. That's the good news. And then there's the bad news. And my mom talked about it before, is that we sin. We broke our relationship with the Father because we started chasing after other things. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We turn to other things to satisfy us. And they can be good things like family, relationships, experience, traveling. They can be good things that we're looking for to, to satisfy us. And it's not good that we're looking for them to satisfy us because as I said before, 
we've been created for God himself. Or we can use bad things like addictions of any kind to try to fill this hole. And all of us have felt that striving to, to, to find that one thing that will finish us, the one thing that will make us complete, the one job, the one, um, the one fulfilling part of our life that will be everything for us. We've all felt that. And maybe we're in it right now just trying to find, like, what is my life about? Why am I here? Why does my heart constantly feel just kind of empty? It's because we're looking for satisfaction in the wrong things. And then there's the really bad news. Is that we can't do anything in our own power to get relationship back with the Father. We can't do it ourselves. No matter how much striving, no matter how much working we do, no matter how much money we make or how much money we give or time we spend with the poor and needy, it doesn't matter. We can't get back with the Father by ourselves, by what we do. It's impossible. Ephesians 2.1 says this, that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Dead as in not doing anything. Like, there's no way out for us. Really bad news. <laughs> we can't do anything in our own power. And then there's the good news again. And good news is the gospel. That the loving Father sent his own son, Jesus, to save us from our sin. To save us from our sin. Second Corinthians 5.21. And this verse has been, it's been a lifeline for me in the last couple of weeks. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then the message puts it like this. In Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong, so we could be put right with God. We who were dead in our sins and trespasses, like Ephesians 2.1 says, we who are dead, unable to do anything to reconcile us back with the Father, the one who we've been created for, he himself sent Jesus to put our sin and our striving, our longing onto Jesus. And he died, he was crucified, and then he resurrected from the dead and beat sin forever for us. And it's a free gift. That's the really good news. It's a free gift. Like, we don't have to work for it. In Acts, it says, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus, and you will be saved. That's it. We don't have to work. We don't have to hit a certain amount of of efforts or things that we've done, we can just believe in Jesus. So the good news is that Jesus came, the Father sent him to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God, so that we could finally have a place with him again, so that we don't have to go through this life wondering, oh, what is this for me? Am I supposed to be doing this? Is this why I'm alive? Like, if I get this job, is that why I'm here? If I have this family and we do this together, is that... Like, is that what I'm supposed to be doing here? It's everything is for Jesus. Everything is from Jesus to glorify Jesus. It's just all about Jesus. Every single time, no matter what we do. And it's a free gift. Just believe. Ephesians 2.8 says, It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. That the Father sent Jesus to save us. It is a gift of God. We are made to know God, and we know God through believing in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel, and we, he saved us from ourselves. He saved us from sin. We know God by knowing and believing Jesus Christ.
for Christians in the room already who believe Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit, is this still satisfying? That's the question I was asking myself. Am I still, I know I'm a Christian, I'm a born-again Christian. Am I still satisfied in this? Or has the shine just kind of faded off a little bit? Have we looked at Jesus and gone, yeah, you're great, but I have all this too. Instead of all this and Christ too, him being the, the object of our affection, maybe we go, um, Jesus Christ and all this and vacations and cars and money and, and it just goes on. Like maybe we flipped it. I think as Christians, we need to ask ourselves, is Jesus the reason I'm alive? Is he why I wake up in the morning? Is he everything I could ever need? Or am I looking for some other stuff to fill me to? And for those who don't know Christ, do you want to live a life of just pure satisfaction and rest and fulfillment? Like knowing that we don't have to earn anything else other than what Jesus has freely given us. That's the most freeing way to live. So freeing. He comforts us in every storm. He died in our place. He forgives our sins. He makes our cup overflow. So what difference does this make in our lives? Well, there's two parts to this. The first part is this. Living with a cup overflowing means being completely satisfied and content, even joyful in every situation. I'll say that again. Living with a cup overflowing means being completely satisfied and content, even joyful in every situation. And the reason for that is because nothing can add and nothing can be taken away from our already overflowing, satisfied hearts. So that whether, whether we lose our job or whether we gain our promotion, like if we lose it, we're still overflowing. We're still satisfied. Nothing's changed. If we lose our job, we're still satisfied in Jesus. Nothing's changed. He's everything we need. If we get sick, our hearts are still overflowing in Christ. He won't leave us. He's the only way that we can truly live so nothing changes that. If we are healthier than ever, we still already have an overflowing heart in Christ. He's our rock. If we build our lives on the rock, nothing else that happens can affect that. There's no greater rock that can be found. There's nothing that can move you to a lesser rock. He is the rock. He won't move. And we are satisfied and we are overflowing in Him. Overflowing hearts are satisfied in Christ and in Christ alone. In Christ alone. And then in that book that I was reading, Irresistible Faith, further along in like a completely different chapter, and this is another cool part of, the, of how God was just very clearly showing me um, what to speak on and what to, to grow in. It said this, An overflowing cup, referencing Psalm 23.5, will spill over into the lives of others. And that just, like, there's no greater way to live. Like, when we have a completely satisfied heart and life and faith, it affects the people we meet. It has to. And this is the second part. The love and grace and salvation of God through Christ is not meant to be hoarded and kept to ourselves. It is meant to flow out of us onto others that they may know Him too. Faith without works is dead. It says that in James 2.17. Because if you have faith, it should reflect itself in everything we do. So whether you're at work, or whether you're walking your dog, or drinking coffee, it should reflect 
Jesus' love and salvation for us in everything we do so that no matter what happens, no matter what happens at our job, we always have a reason to live. We always have a reason to work hard. We always have a reason to, to um, earn money that's more than just keeping it to ourselves. We can give it. Works is the evidence that Jesus is truly satisfying to us. When our cup overflows because of what Jesus has done, because forgiveness with God is the most important thing in the world that we could ever have, because that is so crucial, it naturally flows out of us onto others. And if we think about and, and, and abide in and rest in the grace of and the love and the compassion that God shows to us through Jesus and through one another and through his word, wouldn't we just be desperate that other people can know that too? Wouldn't that be the most burning desire in our hearts that others can know what we have, that others could have what we have, that they could believe in this Jesus who just believe and then you're saved, that's it. Wouldn't that be our burning desire if we truly believed it was the most important thing in the world the most crucial thing to, to get, the most, oh, just the most beautiful treasure to have, wouldn't we, like, wouldn't our hearts burn with the desire that those around us would believe in him too? If we truly believe Jesus is who he says he is, if he is Lord, if he is creator of the universe, if he has created us for himself, if he has knitted us together, wouldn't we just want the people around us to know him too? And wouldn't we live our lives to reflect his grace and his love to others? We must know what we have in Christ and then share it and reflect it to others. And as I said before, work becomes meaningful. Like I work at Starbucks. Sometimes I just don't want to make lattes and frappuccinos for people. But honestly, what gets me through it is if I turn around and I give them a frappuccino and I look at them and I smile at them, ask them how they're doing, I'm reflecting the love of Christ. I'm not wasting my time at work. It becomes meaningful. I don't have to just grumble and complain through the day because somebody was rude to me and they didn't tip me enough, even though I know that they're very wealthy. Like, I don't have to grumble and complain about those things because my life is aimed on something so much bigger. And obviously, I still grumble and complain if I don't get tipped. But it's the growing... Yeah, just take notes about that. If you're going to take notes about anything... No, I'm kidding. It's a growing, seeing what Jesus has done for us. We have to, and we should naturally reflect it, and, and it should flow out of us onto others. And so even in something so simple as giving somebody a coffee, just loving them, making, that, making sure that they know that they're loved, and if they see something different in you, that's Jesus, right? There's always a reason to go to work. And then it moves us to, to give money, to the places that share Christ, to serve the poor, for them to know Christ, to go above and beyond for our neighbors, for our friends, for our coworkers, for our classmates, that they may know Christ. Whether it's organizing like a bowling night or a golfing night with the people around you who you know don't know Christ, you go above and beyond, you organize it, you rally people so that they may have a chance to know you. You send a kid to camp so that they can hear about Christ. It's all, everything is about people knowing Christ. And if we truly know Christ for who he is, then that should naturally flow out of us. The heart that is filled and satisfied in the abundant love of Christ naturally overflows with love and grace for others.
So two questions to ask yourselves regularly. And I, I would write these down. The first question is, am I satisfied in Jesus alone? In regular life, maybe every day. Am I satisfied in Jesus alone today, this morning? Am I satisfied? It says in the Psalms, satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love. Am I satisfied this morning in Christ alone? And then throughout the day and in the morning and at night, does my life reflect that? Does my life reflect the love and grace that Jesus has shown me? Do I show that to others or did I fall short today? Should I have done this instead of doing this, where somebody would have known the love of Christ instead of me turning away and just being shy? Does my life reflect that? When Jesus is all satisfying for us, we live life content and joyful in all situations and make an eternal difference in the lives around us. When Jesus is all satisfying for us, we live life content and joyful in all situations and make an eternal difference in the lives of those around us. And this is what Christianity is. Christianity isn't just a, it isn't, not a, it's not at all just a walk in the park, go through the day, just try to blend in and have the love of Christ in you. It's not at all about that. Every single day for a Christ-following believer is about Jesus being glorified, about people knowing him. And so that's when we reflect and go, Jesus, am I satisfied in you? Before I talk to other people today, do I truly believe what I'm saying? Am I satisfied in you alone? That if everything goes wrong today, or if everything goes right today, no matter what, my cup's overflowing. I don't need anything else but you, Jesus. My cup overflows. I shall not want if I have you, Jesus. Let's reflect that in our hearts. And then, and then after, does my life actually show the love of Christ? Do my actions and my words build others up and love others and show compassion to others as Christ did to us? Those are two questions I would, I'm trying to ask myself more and I know that when you ask those questions, Jesus will be very quick to respond. Because we know, we know, the Holy Spirit's in us. We know. My cup overflows. I'm going to pray. I'll invite the worship team out. If I invite you guys just to bow your heads. And this morning I want, I want Jesus to be glorified above anything else. I want us to have an experience, an encounter with him that makes our cup overflow, that reflects that into others, that we may be lights in the world. That we may not cover ourselves, Father, put the light under a lampshade, but would we shine, Jesus? If some of the lead team come up, could come up, like Dave and Brad and and uh, just whoever wants to, I invite you guys just to come get some prayer. If you know Christ, but you just need a refilling of the Holy Spirit, would you come up and get some prayer? that your life may reflect Christ more, that you may know and be satisfied in Christ more, and that you may touch other people's lives more. And if you don't know Christ this morning, this is so important. If you don't know Christ, I invite you guys to see who Jesus is and how he satisfies and how you are made by him for him, that he bought you back though we were dead in our sins. 
all you need to do is believe. So if you don't believe this morning, I invite you guys to come up, find somebody, and accept Jesus into your heart. Receive him. Have the rest of your eternity changed, let alone this life. Your eternity changed. And then generations after you've changed because of what Jesus has done. Would you come up and receive Jesus this morning? Heavenly Father, we just ask that you be glorified. We love you. We thank you that you sent your son. Thank you that you are bigger than anything we could ever know. I thank you that nothing in this world quite satisfies because we've been made for something so much greater. Jesus, would people this morning know you? Would we as a church grow together in our love for you? and go out and make a huge eternal difference in the lives of those people around us, in our workplaces, in our families. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill us? We can't do any of this without you. God, we love you so much. Be glorified. Just come up, receive some prayer. Find somebody around you. Just be prayed for. And yeah, if the lead team could come up, and be there to pray for people. That would be amazing. We love you.